Grab your cocktail shaker, kick back, and get ready for the big fat party. Greg and his band of unintelligibles are back, mixing, drinking, reviewing, and discussing Bloody Marys and all that goes with them. My Big Fat Bloody Mary podcast, where you'll never drink alone. Welcome to my Big Fat Bloody Mary podcast, where you will never drink alone. We're coming to you from the studios of the Bloody Mary concert series, and my guest today is none other than Mike Scott. Welcome aboard, matey. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you, Captain. I keep coming back. Yeah, you And, do. you know, it, it's partially the company, mm-hmm. and but I think a big part of it oh, is... Oh, there's more? <laughs> a big part is the uh, the Field Notes uh, vodka from La Crosse Dil- Distillery Company. Well, what are they about? Well, they're... I'll tell you, they are a, uh, it is a corn-based vodka that is just that, 100% Midwestern organic yellow dent corn, and besides the yeast and the enzymes that they use to break down the sugars in the corn, there's nothing, nada, nothing else used to make this spirit. It is double distilled and filtered for an easy finish. Yeah. I wonder if maybe that's part of why... I bet it is. ...they are the official vodka of the Drunken Tomato Awards 2023. Awesome. You heard it here. That's right. So that is... All the mixes are going to be using the same vodka, and it's going to be that Lacrosse Distilling Company's Field Notes vodka. So one more reason for me to head out to San Diego in January... (laughs) You know another reason to head out to, to San Diego? You just walked over here. Did anything come to your mind? <laughs> yes. Jesus. <laughs> the fact that uh, Mother Nature is trying to kill us currently. Uh, oh, sub-zero is. temperatures. Yeah. Now, the wind has not picked up yet. Oh, but it is coming. Forward to, yeah. 40 to 50 mile an hour gusts. Yeah, oh, Jesus. And uh, just the temperature itself. Now, I woke up I, way too early, and it was minus 6. And, and I look at the forecast, and it only goes down from there. <laughs> you know, that was the warmest time of the day was negative 6, and it's going to go all the way down to minus 13. And let's throw in a little wind. What the hell? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's why we choose to live here, right? We're idiots. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Last episode, it wasn't quite so cold. We reviewed uh, kick-ass uh, Nick's. And, and today... It was. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Uh, out of Winona, Minnesota. Bit of a sleeper, that yeah. one. Kind of surprised me. Yep. Uh, so this is kind of a special holiday edition, and we're going to do something very unique. And, and Mike, I thank you for it. We're not going to review a product, but I want to make sure that you're properly lubricated. So I have made up a mix for you, Whoa. just to kind of wet your whistle, and uh, this is kind of a unique mix. What I've done is dis, uh, infused Field Notes vodka with a little onion, uh, a bit of jalapeno pepper, and a nice chunk of cilantro stem. Oh. So if you're one of those guys that doesn't like cilantro, oh, maybe... I, no, I love You're okay? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this, I've got it all pre-mixed, so I'll just hook you up with that. Wow, that looks awesome. There's a kind of a fair amount of Worcestershire, which I've really been enjoying lately, and some celery salt and lime juice. 
So I hope you like it. I'm having to do it. We don't have to rate it. Field notes, uh, free uh, taste here. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, this has already got vodka in it. Oh, it does. Oh, I I see. I pre-mixed just so we could get right to the quality. Wow. Do you like that? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I really like it. This is how I've been mixing my own lately. Yeah. Wow, that is really good. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. Hmm. So, Mike, it's the holiday theme. Mike's got a little, gosh, what would you call it? Storytelling? I'm going to do a song afterwards with a young lady, uh, a a Christmas song. So we're not going to have Lynn, but uh, we'll throw that in. But what do you got cooking here? I am from Wisconsin, Greg. Where the hell is my beer chaser? I'm going to hook you up with a, a, a chaser. While, while you're explaining, this is El Jefe from oh, Pearl Street nice. Brewery. And if you don't hablo el español, el jefe is Spanish for <laughs> the jefe. <laughs> so what's cooking, Mike? What do, you, what do you got on deck for us? Well, let's see. I believe the first year I did this, it was 2016. Uh, the It was... Uh, in con- conjunction with the Pump House Regional Arts Center and the Weber Center for the Performing Arts, they asked me to do uh, the Santa Land Diaries, mm. which is a one-man show based on the essay by David Sedaris. Oh, one of my favorites. And I ended up doing that for three years um, yeah. in a row. And uh, lots of fun. Yeah. Um, usually I would start right after Thanksgiving, um, and I would have uh, about a two and a half week run there, yeah. and then I would hop across the street and then have another two and a half week run at the yeah. Weber Center in the studio yeah. um, uh, theater there. Lots of fun. Yeah. Uh, but the one I lots of great stories from that. But the one I wanted to share with you. Uh, so uh, one year, the sponsor for the show was the Casino Bar. Oh, yeah. And the owner, Dan, came up to me and said, hey, would you be willing to do a performance in the bar? Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, absolutely. I would love to do sure. that. Sure, yeah. So, uh, so it was all set up. Uh, I was going to do the, the Friday night, 7 o'clock, I was going to be uh, doing the at, at the casino bar. Well, the promos didn't really go out all that well, so it was kind of a, a smattering of my friends were in the audience. Sure. But most of the people in the bar were there to drink and had no idea what was about to happen. There was no announcement. There was, you know, oh, we're going to have this guy come do an hour and 20-minute one-man show. No marquee out front. <laughs> no marquee out front. I came up out of the basement, stood at the center of the bar, yeah. and just went into it. Were you dressed the way you are right now? I was. On? Okay, so in this play, this was <clears throat> adapted by uh, Joe Monticello, um, and so... The play starts out, and I am um, dressed as a normal person. I'm dressed as an out-of-work actor. If, if you're not familiar with the Santa Land Diaries, it's a story of a uh, down-as-luck actor who yeah. takes a job as an elf at Macy's. I, I am. I, I, I read it. I, 
Well, yes. I, don't, I think I saw one of your performances. I swear you were dressed in an elf costume. Yeah, well, it starts out I'm dressed as a normal person, and okay. then in the play, I strip down. Gotcha. Candy cane, uh, leggings, uh, elf <laughs> shoes, yes. the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so the, I, I stand at the center of the bar. Again, I'm dressed as a normal person, mm -hmm. and I just go into it, talking loudly so the entire bar can hear me. Yeah, well, sure. And I will never forget, there was a couple that was right <laughs> next to me. They had no idea what was going to happen. I start talking loudly, and I yeah. noticed the two of them were clutching each other's hands because they thought for sure whatever the hell I was talking about, I was when I got done with my manifesto, I was going to kill everyone in the bars. So they were like, oh, God, this is it. You always want to have a good manifesto if you're going to go off on a killing spree or a bombing. You know. <laughs> right, right. So I go into this thing and... Uh, whatever happens here, honey, I... <laughs> <laughs> and the other funny thing about that performance was so in in the so there play, was something funny about it. You came away from it at least. You oh, know, with, <laughs> yes, no, it was it was quite. I'm humorous. sure the whole thing was funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other thing is in the play, my character is downing martinis the entire time. Yeah. So when you now when I was in the theater when I was in the. the uh, the Pump House and the Weber Center Studio Theater, there is a rule I would never consider breaking, and that would be to drink real alcohol during a during performance the in the theater. I would never. Yeah. That would be very unprofessional. Right. I would never even consider it. I wouldn't either, like when so. I play with big liquor. Not once, ever. <laughs> so. But you were in a bar. I was in a bar. Okay. And I thought, okay, bets are off. So. Yep. I, that's me. Those are your boots squeaking. Yeah. <laughs> he literally frozen. is coming right out of the frozen tundra. <laughs> so, it's like you're right here. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to drink real martinis uh, for this performance. What the hell? Yeah. The play is about an hour and 20 minutes long. Mm. If it had been any longer, yeah. uh, it would have the whales would have come off. I mean, I, by the by the time I was finishing, I was, I was start, things were starting to unravel for a solo performance at, at so, hour and twenty. It's, yeah, yeah, if it had been an hour and forty, people would be like, "Well, this guy came out and did this play, and the main character passes out at the end." <laughs> I assume that's part of the play, <laughs> right? Right. That's art, honey. Don't be an idiot. <laughs> Don't start clapping yet. Wait until you know it right. pretends to come back too. And the other part, uh, the other great part about that performance was, so people were coming into the bar. Again, this was not really announced or advertised. So people yeah. want to come Just into randos. the bar and have a drink. Yeah. So the door would open, and this couple came in, and they immediately put on the brakes because I am <laughs> standing in the middle of the bar talking loudly, and they're like, this is something we don't want to get involved in. It could be religion or something. <laughs> Yeah, and Dan, the owner, was at the bar, and he quickly explained, oh, this guy's doing a one-man show. Sure. And the guy goes, oh, Christ, I'm out of here. <laughs> and I guess his girlfriend grabbed him by the collar and said, I was a theater major. Sit your ass down. Show some respect. <laughs> so. Did you win him over? You don't have to tell me. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I heard oh. the story afterwards, but I, oh, okay. I, I, I like to think that I did. I and now he has season tickets to the Milwaukee Rep. 
Nice. All right. So this is so I am today. I'm going to read uh, mm. the Santa Land Diaries essay by David Sedaris. Um, this is done. This one man show is done all over the country. Um, I don't think. I think they play it on NPR every Christmas. Him reading this this yep. essay. Enough of that. Now onto this. Okay, so uh, this is from the Santa Land Diaries by David Sedaris. So far in Santa Land, I have seen Simone from General Hospital, Sean from All My Children, Walter Cronkite, and Phil Collins. Last year, one of the elves was suspended after asking Goldie Hawn to autograph her hand. We have been instructed to leave the stars alone. Walter Cronkite was very tall, and I probably wouldn't have recognized him unless someone hadn't pointed him out to me. Phil Collins was small and well-groomed. He arrived with his daughter and an entourage of three. I don't care about Phil Kyle Collins either way, but I saw some pe people who might, and I felt it was my duty to tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, look, there's Phil Collins. <laughs> Now, many of Santa's visitors are from out of town and welcome the opportunity to view a celebrity. It sort of rounds out their New York experience. I'd point out Phil Collins, and people would literally squeal with delight. Seeing as it is my job to make people happy, I don't have any problem with it. Phil Collins was wandering through the maze, videotaping everything with his camcorder and enjoying himself. Once he entered the magic tree, he was no longer visible to the maze audience, so I began telling people that if they left immediately and took a right at the end of the hall, they could probably catch Phil Collins <laughs> after his visit with Santa. So they did. People left. When Phil Collins walked out of Santa Land, there was a crowd of 20 people waiting for autographs. When the managers came looking for the big mouth, I said, Phil Collins... Who's he? <laughs> I spent a few hours in the maze with Puff, a young elf from Brooklyn. We were standing near the lollipop forest when we realized that Santa is an anagram for Satan. <laughs> Father Christmas or the devil. So close, but yet so far. We imagined a Satan land where visitors would wander through steaming pools of human blood and feces before arriving at the gates of hell where a hideous imp in a singed velvet costume would take them by the hand and lead them to Satan. Oh, once we thought of it, we couldn't get it out of our heads. Overhearing the customers, we would substitute the word Satan for the word Santa. Oh, what do you think, Michael? Do you think Macy's has the real Satan? <laughs> uh, don't forget to thank Satan for the baby alive he gave you last year. I love Satan. Who doesn't? Everyone loves Satan. <laughs> now, I would rather drive upholstery tacks into my eyeballs uh, before working with the usher elf, as an usher elf. The usher elf stands outside Santa's exit door and fills out the photo forms. While I, while I enjoy trying to guess where people are from, I hate listening to couples uh, bicker over how many copies they want. It was interesting the first time I did it, but not anymore. 
While the parents made up their minds, the ushers had to prevent the excited children from entering Santa's back door to call out the names of three or four more toys they had neglected to request earlier. When things are slow, our usher points in his head and watches Santa with his visitors. This afternoon we were slow and I watched a 40-year-old woman and her ancient mother step into to converse with Santa. The daughter wore a short pink dress decorated with lace, the type of dress that a child might wear. Her hair was uh, braided into pigtails, and she wore ruffled socks and patent leather shoes. This 40-year-old girl ran to Santa and embraced him, <laughs> driving rouge into his beard. She spoke in a baby voice and then lowered it to a whisper. When they left, I asked if they wanted to purchase the photo, and the biggest little girl in the world whispered something in her mother's ear, and then she skipped away. She skipped. Mm -hmm. I watched her try and commune with the youngsters standing around the register until her mother pulled her away. This morning, I spent some time at the Magic Window with Sleigh Bell, an entertainer who is in the process of making a music video with her all-girl singing group. We talked about one thing or another, and she told me that she had appeared on a few television shows, mainly soap operas. I asked if she had ever done One Life to Live, and she said yes. I had a bit part as a flamenco dancer a few years ago when Cord and Tina remarried and traveled to Madrid for their honeymoon. Suddenly, I remembered Sleigh Bell perfectly. On that episode, she wore a lead, uh, red lace dress and stomped around in shiny nightclub on the shiny nightclub floor until Spain's greatest bullfighter entered, challenging Cord to a duel. Sleigh Bell uh, intervened. She stopped dancing and said to Cord, Don't do it, senor. You'd be a fool to fight with Spain's greatest bullfighter. <laughs> Slaybell told me that the honeymoon was filmed here in the New York studio. That surprised me, as I really thought that it was shot in Spain. She told me that the dancing scene was shot in the late morning, and afterwards they had a break for lunch. She uh, took her lunch in the studio cafeteria and was holding her tray when Tina waved her over to the table. Slaybell had lunch with Tina. She said that Tina was very sweet and talked about her love for Smokey Robinson. I had read that Tina had driven a wedge between Smokey and his wife, but it was thrilling to hear it from someone who had the facts. Later in the day, I was put in on the cash register with uh, Andrea, one of the managers, told me that uh, her friend Caroline was the personal responsible for casting One Life to Live. It was Caroline who replaced the old Tina and the new Tina. I loved the old Tina. Um, and will accept no substitutes. But I told Andrea that I liked new Tina a lot, and she said, I'll pass that along to Caroline. She'll be happy to hear it. We were talking when Mitchell, another manager, got involved and said that he'd been on One Life to Live seven times. He played Clint Lars five years ago when the entire Buchanan family was on trial for the murder of Mitch 
Lawrence. Mitchell knows Victoria Buchanan personally and said that she's just as sweet and caring in real life as she is on the show. She's basically playing herself, except for the multiple personality disorder, he said, pausing to verify a check on the other elf's register. He asked the customer for another form of ID, and while the woman cursed and fished through her purse. Mitchell told me that Clint tends to keep to himself, but that Bo and Asa are a lot of fun. I cannot believe I am hearing this. I know people who have sat around with Tina, Cord, Nikki, Asa, and Clint. I'm getting closer. I can feel it. <laughs> this evening, I was working as a counter-elf at the Magic Tree when I saw a woman unzip her son's fly release his penis, and instruct him to pee into a bank of artificial snow. He was a young child, four or five years old, and he did it. He peed. Urine dripping from the branches of artificial trees and puddling on the floor. A spotted child visited Santa, climbing up on his lap, and expressed a wish to recover from chicken pox. Santa leapt up. <laughs> I've met elves from all walks of life. Most of them are show business people, actors, and dancers. But a surprising number of them had real jobs at advertising agencies and brokerage firms before the recession hit. Bless their hearts. These people never imagined there was a velvet costume waiting in their future. <laughs> They're the really bitter elves. Many of the elves are young, high school and college students. They're young include, and one of the job perks is that I get to see them in their underpants. The changing rooms are located in the employee bathrooms behind Santa Land. The men's bathroom is small and the toilets are often flooded, so we are forced to stand on islands of newspaper in order to keep our socks dry. The Santas have a nice dressing room across the hall, but you don't want to see a Santa undress. Quite a few elves have taken to changing clothes in the hallway beside their lockers. These elves tend to wear bathing suits beneath their costumes. Jams, I believe they're called. I don't like jams. The overall cutest elf is a, a fellow from Queens named Snowball. Snowball tends to ham it up with the children, sometimes literally tumbling down the path to Santa's house. I tend to frown on that sort of behavior, but Snowball is hands down adorable. You want to put him in your pocket. Yesterday we worked as Santa's elves, and I became excited when he started to say things like, I'd follow you to Santa's house any day, crumpet. It made me dizzy, this flirtation. By mid-afternoon, I was running in the walls. At the end of our shift, we went in the bathroom, changing our clothes, when suddenly we were surrounded by three Santas and five other elves. All of them were guys Snowball had been flirting with. Santa, or Snowball, tends to lead elves on. Elves and Santa. He is playing a dangerous game. <laughs> This afternoon, I was stuck being photo elf for Santa Santa. I, I don't know his real name. No one does. Uh, during most days, there is a slow period when you sit around and talk to your Santa. Most of the guys are nice, and we just sit around and laugh. But Santa Santa takes himself a, a bit too seriously. 
I asked him where he lives, Brooklyn or Manhattan, and he said, Why, I, I live at the North Pole with Mrs. Claus. I asked him what he does the rest of the year, and he said, Well, I make toys for all the children. <laughs> I, I said, Yes, but what do you do for money? <laughs> Santa doesn't need money, he said. Santa, Santa sits and waves and jingles his bell sash when no one is there. <laughs> he actually recited the night before Christmas, and it was just the two of us in the house. No children. Just us. I mean, what do you do with a nut like that? Wow. He says, oh, little elf, little elf, uh, straighten up uh, those uh, mantle toys for Santa. You know, I reminded him that I have a name. It's Crumpet. <clears throat> And then I straighten up the stuffed animals. Oh, a little elf, uh, bring Santa a throat lozenge. So I brought him a lozenge. Santa Santa has an elaborate little act for the children. He'll talk to them and give them a hearty chuckle and ring his bells. And then he'll ask them to name their favorite Christmas carol. Most of them say Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Santa Santa then asks if they will sing it for him. The children are shy and don't want to sing out loud, so Santa Santa says, Oh, uh, little elf, little elf, uh, help young Brenda here sing uh, that favorite carol of hers. Then I have to stand there and sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, which I hate. Half the time, young Brenda's parents are my age. That certainly doesn't uh, help matters much. This afternoon, I worked as an exit elf yelling loudly to people, This way out of Santa Land! A woman was standing at the cash register paying for her idea of a picture while her son lay beneath her kicking, heaving, having a tantrum. The woman said, Riley, if you don't behave yourself, Santa is not going to bring you any of those toys that you asked for. The child said, He is too going to bring me those toys, liar! He already told me! The woman grabbed me by the arm and said, You there, elf, tell Riley that he doesn't start to behave immediately that Santa's going to change his mind and bring him coal for Christmas. I said that Santa no longer traffics in coal. Instead, if you're bad, he comes to your house and steals things. <laughs> I told Riley that if he didn't behave, Santa was going to take away his TV and all his electronic appliances and leave him in the dark. All of your appliances, including your refrigerator, your food is going to spoil and it's going to smell bad. It's, it's going to be so cold and dark where you are. Man, Riley, you're going to, you are so ever going to suffer. You're going to wish you never even heard the name Santa. The woman got a worried look on her face and said, all right, I, I think that's enough. <laughs> I said he's going to take your car and your furniture and all the towels and blankets and leave you with nothing. The mother said, no, no, really, that's enough. <laughs> I spend all day lying to people. Oh, you look so pretty. Oh, and Santa can't wait to visit with you. You're all he talks about. It's just not Christmas without you. You're Santa's favorite person in the entire tri-state area. Sometimes I lay it on thick. Aren't you the princess of Rangovia? Santa said a beautiful princess was coming here to visit him. She said that she would be wearing a red dress and that she was very pretty, not stuck up or two-faced. That's you, isn't it? I'd lay it on thick and the parents would mouth, thank you. 
Good job. <laughs> to one child, I said, you're a model, aren't you? The girl was maybe six years old and said, yes, I model, but I also act. I uh, just got a second call back for a Fisher-Price commercial. The girl's mother said, oh, you may recognize Caitlin from the My First Sony campaign. She's on the box. I said, oh, yes, yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> All I do is lie, and that has made me immune to compliments. Lately, I've been feeling a little trollish and have changed my elf name from Crumpet to Blisters. <laughs> Blisters, I, I think it's cute. Today, a child told Santa Ken that he wanted his dead father back and a complete set of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Everybody wants those turtles. <laughs> a child came to Santa this morning and his mother said, All right, Jason, tell Santa what you want. Tell him what you want. And Jason said, I, I, I want Procton and Gamble to stop animal testing. The mother said, Proctor, Jason, that's Proctor and Gamble. And, and what do they do to the animals? Do they torture the animals, Jason? Is that what they do? Jason said, y yes, they, they torture. He, he was probably six years old. Uh, this week, my least favorite elf is this guy from Florida whom I call the walrus. The walrus has a handlebar mustache, no chin, and a neck the size of my waist. In the dressing room, he confesses to be a bit of a ladies' man. Mm -hmm. The walrus acts as though Sandaland were a singles bar. It's embarrassing to work with him. We get together at the magic window where he pulls women aside, places his arm around their shoulders, and says, I know you're not going to have to ask Santa for good looks. You've already got those, pretty lady. <laughs> yeah, you indeed got those in spades. <laughs> in his mind, the women are charmed and dizzy with his attention. I pull him aside and said, that was a mother you just said that to. Yeah. A married woman with three children. He says, hey, uh, I didn't see a ring. And then he turns to the next available woman and whistles, Hey, Santa's married, but I'm not. <laughs> hey, pretty lady, I've got plenty of room on my knee. <laughs> there was a line for Santa and a line for the women's restroom. And one, mom, one woman who had asked me a dozen questions already asked, uh, Which is the line for the women's bathroom? I shouted, I think it's the one with all the women in it. <laughs> she said, I'm going to have you fired. I had two people say that to me today. I'm going to have you fired. Go ahead. Be my guest. I am wearing a green velvet costume. It doesn't get any worse than this. Who do these people think they are? I am going to have you fired. I wanted to lean over and say, I'm going to have you killed. <laughs> uh, I got stuck with Santa Santa this afternoon and had to sing and fetch for three hours. Late in the afternoon, a child said she didn't know what her favorite Christmas carol was. So Santa said, uh, Rudolph, Jingle Bells, White Christmas, uh, Here Comes Santa Claus, Away in the Manger, Silent Night. The girl agreed to Away in the Manger, but didn't want to sing it because she didn't know the words. Santa, Santa said, Oh, little elf, little elf, uh, come sing away in the manger for us. Well, it didn't seem fair that I would have to do a solo, so I told him I didn't know the words. 
Santa, Santa said, oh, of course you know the words. Come on now, sing. So I sang it the way Billie Holiday might sing it if she put out a Christmas album. Away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. Santa Santa did not allow me to finish. <laughs> a little dark. Out of all of the Santas, two are black and both are so light-skinned that with the beard and makeup, you'd be hard-pressed to determine their race. Last week, a black woman became upset, having requested a Santa of colors. She was sent to Jerome. After she was led to the house, the woman demanded to speak with the manager. He's not black, the woman complained. Bridget assured the woman that Jerome was indeed black. The woman said, well, he isn't black enough. <laughs> Jerome is a difficult Santa, moody and unpredictable. He spends a lot of his time staring into space and telling up his paycheck for the hours he's worked thus far. When a manager ducks in, encouraging him to speed things up, Jerome says, listen, I'm playing a role here, do you understand? A dramatic role that takes a great deal of preparation, so don't hassle me about time. Yesterday, Snowball was the pointer off, and a woman pulled him aside, saying, Last year we had a chocolate Santa. Make sure it doesn't happen again. I saw it all today. I was pointer off for all of five minutes before a man whispered, Make sure we get a white one this year. Last year we were stuck with a black. <laughs> a woman touched my arm and mouthed, ah, White, white, like us. I addressed the Santa else, the first in line, hand these people over. Who knows where they're going to end up? The children aren't. Antsy, excited, they want to see Santa. The children are sweet. The parents are manipulative and should be directed to the ANS Plaza two blocks away. ANS only has two Santas working at the same time, a white Santa and a black Santa, and it's very clear. White's in one line, black's in the other. <laughs> I've had requests from both sides, white Santa, black Santa. The pointer elf is instructed to shrug his shoulders and feign ignorance, saying, well, there's only one Santa. <laughs> this was my last day of work. We had been told that Christmas Eve is a slow day, but this was the day a week of training was meant to prepare us for. It was a day of nonstop action, a day when managers spent a great deal of time on their walkie-talkies. I witnessed a fistfight between two mothers and watched while a woman experienced a severe crowd-related anxiety attack, falling to the floor and groping for breath, her arms moving as though she were fighting off bats. A Long Island father called Santa a faggot because he wouldn't <laughs> recite Twas the Night Before Christmas to his child. Parents in long lines left disposable diapers at the door of Santa's house. It was the rowdiest crowd I had ever seen, and we were short on elves, many of whom simply did not show up or called in sick. As a result, we had our lunch hour cut in half and to go, had to go without our afternoon breaks. Many elves complained bitterly, but the rest of us found ourselves in the moment we had been waiting for. It was us against them. It was time to be a trooper, and I surrendered completely. 
my Santa and I had them on the lap and off the lap in 45 seconds flat. <laughs> we were an efficient machine, surrounded by chaos. <laughs> Quitting time came and went for both of us, and we paid it no mind. My plane was due to leave at 8 o'clock, and I stayed until the last moment, figure out the time it would take for me to get to the airport. It was with reservation that I reported to the manager, telling her that I had to leave. She was at the cash register, screaming at a customer. She was, in fact, calling this customer a bitch. I touched her arm and said, I have to go. She laid her hand on my shoulder, squeezed it gently, and continued her conversation, saying, uh, No, no, don't tell the store president I called you a bitch. Tell him that I called you a fucking bitch, because <laughs> that's exactly what you are. Now get out of my sight before I do something we both regret. <laughs> oh, my God. The holidays can be a stressful time. <laughs> Oh, my Happy God. holidays, everyone. I, yeah, here, cheers. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I never tire of, of that that story. <laughs> it's so great. And that little tart snowball, you know? <laughs> right. What a heartbreaker. <laughs> I, I've known those people. <laughs> well, thanks again, Mike. And uh, in the uh, spirit of this Christmas holiday episode, we're going to break to a Christmas song, you're going to have to bear listening to me sing it, and uh, but luckily, hang on for the second verse, because then it gets very, very pretty, and that, that'll be worth listening to. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Next week, we're going to review uh, Bloody Point, and we're going to have our work cut out for us, and I, I put little air quotes around work, Mike. <laughs> They, they have a few different iterations of their mix, uh, four to be exact. So, oh. yeah, you might want to come into that one semi-sober, okay? All right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, with no further ado, we'll leave you with the song. And uh, next, well, yeah, it's, it's Christmas morning. And the next one's coming out on New Year's morning, which is National Bloody Mary Day. What could be more appropriate? Is it really? That's a fact, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it.
I hope you have nothing going on next Sunday either. See you then for another Big Fat Bloody Mary podcast.